This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. We're here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays to explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. And today, we're talking fantasy sports after a jam-packed weekend where the NFL's first week coincided with the NBA and the NHL playoff action, MLB, and then the U.S. Open Tennis Finals. Joined by Bloomberg's Rich Truman. He's got a weekly fantasy football column out every Thursday on the Terminal. Be sure to check that out. And Bloomberg Intelligence's Damian Sassauer. Guys, hello. How'd you guys do in our fantasy league? Uh, I believe I had the most points this week, if I'm not mistaken. And Damien was up there also. I know we both got wins. What about you, Michael? What'd you do? Uh, well, we'll just move right along. Right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let me bring this up before we get into the other stuff. And this is something I always talk about, about fab money. How much to spend now, you know, once you hit the waiver wires, how much do you spend? Now, in our league, we got a budget of $100. And how much do you spend because you got to space all that out in like 15 weeks? And uh, I put in my bid for uh, Mr. Hines uh, with the Indianapolis Colts because Marlon Beck went down and he's going to be out for the season. I put in a bid for 15. Somebody else I know who's on this trio put in 31. He won. (laughs) So that brings me to this question How much do you spend on Fab Money? when you get into starting out with the season? Because you still have a lot of time to go. Yeah, no, I mean, so, so of course, I, I, I have Naheem Hines. I spent uh, nearly a third of my budget for the season, but I don't think that's uncommon, especially in the first three to four weeks of the season. When, I mean, that's, that's really when you're going to see some of these running backs bubble to the surface, and you're going to get more color as to, you know, which teams are, are using them and in which ways. And so, you know, two touchdowns, you know, receiving um, a lot of receiving targets for Naheem Hines, Mac out for the season. I mean, he's a no-brainer. So I was more than happy to spend something from 20 to 40% of my annual budget on him. I think Benny Snell and Malcolm Brown are others that probably command that type of attention as well. But, you know, as the season progresses, you'll quickly find that, you know, um, you know that, that money spent on waiver wire pickups are going to go down and go down significantly. I mean, I think toward the end of last season, people had reserved their budget, were able to pick up guys like Miles Sanders and A.J. Brown on the cheap. So, you know, I think you'll probably see that as the season progresses. But look, hey, it's early going, and uh, Naheem Hines looks, uh, looks pretty good as an option out of the backfield in Indianapolis. Rich, your value play that you have, uh, David Johnson, you touted him last week. Uh, who do you like this week? Well, let's talk about David Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> this week, you know, before we get to value plays, what, I, I look, and I'm sure Damien's the same, I, when I evaluate for the week, I look at the high-scoring games, and Dallas and Atlanta has an over-under of 52. So he's not a value play, but I really love Dak Prescott this week because the Atlanta Falcons' defense is very poor in the road. I'm going to give you some stats. 28 27, 53, 34, 
They had two good games in the middle, nine and three, then 22 and 22. That's an average of 25 points a game on the road, the Falcons' defense. And that's, you know, that includes games where they only give up nine and three to the Saints and the Panthers. So I love Dak Prescott, who's not a value play, but I really love him this week. But I will go with Michael Gallup. Uh, Amari Cooper, I think, had 10 catches last week. They have, there's a lot of offensive targets on that team, so it's kind of hard to pick one. But for a value play, I think Michael Gallup might have a chance to score a long one against the Falcons, so that would be my one of my value plays this week. If you mentioned Dak Prescott, which brings me to the point of, well, what about CD? Because uh, he's a rookie wide out. Uh, you always got to love the hookup. I mean, you do. I mean, you just don't know who he's, you know, it could be Cooper one week, it could be Lamb the next week, it could be yet Gallup, and obviously you have Zeke in the backfield. So there is there are a lot of options, but I would be very surprised if Dallas does not score at least 30 points in this game. I would think mm-hmm. even more than that. So, you know, I, I think, again, Prescott, I think, is a great option this week, as is Matt Ryan, because last week, playing from behind, he threw for 450 yards. He's probably going to be playing from behind again. Damien, your thoughts? So, you know, I have to say, I mean, that was the first time I've seen C.D. Lamb in action. You know, obviously he's a rookie, and he looked very polished to me, and his body language and his attitude on the field was really, really impressive to me. And, you know, I think as the season progresses, he's going to take on a much, much bigger role in that offense, in my opinion. But, you know, I have to take a pause here. I mean, can we just talk about Josh Jacobs? I mean, in a world where pass-catching running backs are all rage, to see Josh Jacobs just, you know, rolling out of the backfield on the ground, three touchdowns, I mean, very impressive considering the performances of people like, you know, Mixon and Chubb and a lot of others, Eckler, for example, Connor, who were all drafted around the same time and all of whom underperformed. So, you know, that's a standout performance by Josh Jacobs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, with Mixon and Chubbs, like a person I know sitting here, I was like not happy about <laughs> the underperformance of, of those two guys. But moving along, one thing I want to talk about too, uh, just very quick about uh, you know all the pools that's going on, the survivor pools, and a lot of people were on the Indianapolis Colts. I was, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. It's, we, we have a pool, I think, about 280 people. About 130 people got burned in that because they had, uh, for the most part, the Indianapolis Colts. And I was surprised about that. I mean, they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not sure now is it because Jacksonville is that good or is it because the Colts are that poor? Well, I mean, I think if you have to look at the games coming into this week, right, I mean, and you're looking at the spreads alone – You've got Tennessee, you know, a nine-point favorite over Jacksonville. You know, I can see a lot of the remaining survivor pools, you know, going back to the well there, potentially. But it may scare a lot of people off, right? But, look, I think the Colts, they're getting used to a new quarterback and new offense. Their defense did not look very good, clearly. Um, and Jacksonville played out of their shorts. So, I, you know, I, I think these things happen in football. This is, this is the beauty of the NFL. Other teams you've got to be looking at, though, if you're a survivor guy, is Casey versus the Chargers this week and Tampa Bay versus Carolina, the latter of which really kind of scares me just given the fact that you never want to be getting a, betting against Bridgewater and C-Mac. So, you know, I think Casey's probably going to be a favorite pick in most survivor pools going into uh, week two. Rich, do you think that teams that – maybe underperformed in week one or maybe other teams that overperformed will come back to reality this weekend. Yeah, you really can't take so much stock in, in, in the first week of the season. As we mentioned many times on this podcast, there was no preseason. So you look, I had mentioned this, how the Giants and Jets offensive line would struggle because they had a lot of new players on their offensive lines. 
and um, didn't have the preseason to gel. And look at what Saquon, who couldn't run the ball at all against the Steelers. Obviously, the Steelers have a good defense. You really can't panic too much in week one. And actually, that's the gist of my article this week. I'm like, don't panic. Naheem Hines and Malcolm Brown grossly outperformed Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb. Is that going to happen the rest of the season? I doubt it. I mean, Russell Gage of the Falcons outperformed Michael Thomas, owned by Damian, I believe, who was out for a couple of weeks. You really can't pan. You really need a couple of weeks to see what the season's how the season's going to develop. So let me just clear things up here for you. I don't own Michael Thomas, although I love him. In fact, I own Devontae Adams, the best-performing fantasy football player in Week 1. 14 receptions, tied Don Hudson for the most in Green Bay history. He now has 766 yards on six touchdowns in the past six games. That's a ridiculous 2,000-yard receiving pace over a 16-game season, guys. I mean, he's averaging 14 targets per game over that span. Devontae Adams, my player of the week in Week 1. The team that really underperformed the Cleveland Browns. And I, and I don't understand what in the heck is happening. I don't understand. Have we put too much stock in Baker Mayfield, guys? Well, I, I think you're Nick Chubb. That's who you have, right? Right. I think he's a great pick this week. Let's take week one. They fell behind the Ravens right away. The Ravens have a very good defense. Kareem Hunt actually outpointed Nick Chubb in week one because it was on the field a lot where they were behind. I think Nick Chubb is going to be a very, very good pick this week against the Bengals. So that's one of those things I wouldn't panic. That's the Thursday night game, by the way, in case uh, anybody is following. Uh, Damian, uh, you know, right now you got – well, both of you guys are like, you know, the the stallions here in this league. I'm just trying to hang with you guys. What could you tell somebody who is just starting out now, I remember back in the day when you, you know, when you would call into a show and say, "I'm with a ten-team league," they'd laugh you right off the air. But now there are many ten-team leagues, and it's teams and at work, team, you know, the family, whatever. A ten-teamer has a different strategy, obviously, than a twelve-teamer, and a twelve-teamer has a different strategy than sixteen teams. What strategy could you provide, and and to whoever wants to start off first, the best strategy involved with those type of leagues? Well, I like to be a buyer on weakness, right? So I agree with Rich in the sense that DJ Chark, Chubb, Eckler, and Mixon are unlikely to underperform each and every week the way they did in week one. And vice versa, you probably want to be looking at, I know he's your value play, David Johnson, and he looked awesome. I mean, just awesome. But DJ, Gurley, Thielen, Watkins, I mean, I, I mean, you may want to be selling them at, you know, at current levels because their value is so high, right? But if, you want to, if you're a newbie starting out, you know, the one theme that I'm kind of seeing here in the early going is, Russian quarterbacks, Allen, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater. These guys are putting up more points than the Aaron, I mean, well, not Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, the Drew Brees, the Aaron Rodgers, the classic pocket passers. And I think that's a trend that we're seeing more and more in fantasy football. And look, you know, if you just, if you just look at Bilicek and what he's been doing in New England, if you think for one second he's not going to run Cam Newton into the ground, I think we're all sorely mistaken. I mean, they're, they're harking back to the 1950s style of football in New England. And look at Kyler Murray. Murray had a great game in New totally. England also. I think I, I know somebody that has that has Tyler Murray, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. By the way, uh, Detroit at Green Bay this Sunday. Let's see what cold wind will blow at Lambeau Field for the Lions. It seems like every time they go to Lambeau Field, some freak of nature happens, and they'll lose the game like they lost the game against Chicago. By the way, I don't care if anybody thinks that was a ticky-tack call. You don't headbutt the ref. 
for the Detroit Lions. And I don't care if you're trying to reenact the play. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. And then you lost the game. I just had to get that off my chest. Now I feel better. Uh, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Rich Truman and Damian Sassara. By the way, don't forget again to uh, check out the Rich's column. And you see it uh, all on the uh, terminal, and you can see it every week. Catch our podcast right here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.